This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. I'd mentioned in last night's intro to the show that back in the golden age of radio, there was a glut of detectives all holding the banner high that reads the best detective, the most resourceful, and on and on the superlatives went. Who shall we gush about tonight, hmm? Nick Carter, master detective. You see, he wasn't billed as just a detective. Oh, no, he was a master detective. The show was based on tales of the fictional private detective Nick Carter from Street and Smith's Dimes novels and pulp magazines. Nick Carter first came to radio as The Return of Nick Carter, a reference to the character's pulp origins, but the title was soon changed to just plain old Nick Carter, Master Detective. A veteran radio dramatist, Farron Fraser, wrote many of the scripts, and with Lon Clark in the title role, we hear the episode... Corpse in the Cab. What's the matter? What is it? Another case for Nick Carter, Master Detective. Yes, it's another case for that most famous of all manhunters, the detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the case of Detective Fiction. Nick Carter, Master Detective. Tonight's curious adventure, The Corpse in the Cab, or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Murder in the Park. Taxi? Taxi? Uh, Mr. Ramsey, you are very kind indeed to take such an interest in this uh, problem. My dear fellow, I consider it my civic duty. Uh, taxi! Ah, here's a cab now. Yes. Okay, gents, make it snappy. We're blocking traffic. All right. You get in first. My party, you know, my party. Thank you. Where to, gents? I guess the quickest way to get there is through the park. Yes, drive through the park. I'll tell you where to turn. Okay. I believe it is on West 54th Street. And there's a flag out there. Uh, excuse me, uh, uh, driver. Yeah? Uh, do you mind if I shut this glass partition between us? Go right ahead, boss. You're paying the fare. Here, let me do it for you. Ah, well, that's better. Nice winter evening. Stars twinkling. Ought to pick us up for the grim business ahead. Uh, lucky thing I ran into you. Lucky thing. <laughs> yes, indeed, Mr. Ramsey. It seems fate destined me to make your acquaintance this afternoon. Yes, lucky thing. Just 
my little way of keeping air out of the windpipe. There you are, my dear fellow. (sighs) Mighty lucky thing I ran into you tonight. Help me, Nick. You got it. They'll slap me in stir. Now, take it easy, Shorty. Take it easy. Now, tell me again exactly what happened. Like I said, two guys hail my cab. One of them says to drive through the park. He'll tell me where to turn out. And when you get out of the park? The one guy opens the petition again and says to pull up. He's getting out. He tells me to drive the other guy to the precinct police station. And, Nick, if I hadn't looked around when I came to the intersection and seen what I seen... I'd have driven right up to the bullhouse with a dead body in my cab. Me, Shorty Bentano. You don't remember what the man looked like, Shorty. In the dark? I ain't got cat's eyes, Nick. <laughs> Gee, what's that? You are jumpy. And just Patsy buzzing me in the talk bag. Oh. Nick, in the inimitable words of Mr. Winchell, my stomach and my backbone are now a twosome. When do we eat? You'll have to order yourself a sandwich, Patsy. We've got work to do. Work tonight? Mm-hmm. And, Patsy, get me at police headquarters. Lieutenant Riley. Okay, Nick. You're going to turn me in, Nick? I thought you'd help me. I am going to help you, Shorty. But the sooner the police know about the murdered man outside in your cab, the better it is for you. You're crazy, Nick. I done time. I ain't got a chance. If the cops find that stiff in my buggy, it's curtains for me. I'm getting out of here. Shorty, sit down there. Nick, they'll give me the hot seat for something I never done. No, they won't, Shorty. Not while my name's Nick Carter. Beats Harnick. Not one bit of identification on this body. No bullet trace, no knife, no nothing. What did you want the murderer to do, Riley? Leave his calling card? Uh, I'm always getting stuck with one of these dud cases. It takes months to solve them. We don't even know who this stiff is. Now, Riley, flash your light inside here again. Oh, sure, sure. Here. You see something? I'm just looking. You see, his pockets are turned inside out. Uh, the motive was robbery, all right. No, Riley, I don't think so. Huh? Doesn't look prosperous enough to rob. Ah, Nick, you're always looking for what's not there. That might mean something, too. Now, Riley, evidently the murderer didn't care to have his victim's identity uncovered too soon. Say, what are you looking at his hands for, Nick? Riley, have your laboratory analyze this white powder under the nail of his right index finger. Well, say, there is something under his fingernail. Yes. I have an idea. You'll find it's chalk. Chalk? Well, sure, you're a smart one, Nick. With these lily white hands, this guy was a pool player, a professional, maybe. Maybe. But don't bank on it. Now, Riley, about Shorty. I'm holding him, Nick. Never fear about that. Now, look, Riley, he's a favorite of me. Don't pull him in yet. Oh, great jumping banshees, Nick. I've got to. Listen, Riley, he had nothing to do with this murder. If he were a party to it, he'd have dumped the body out somewhere, wouldn't he? Well... I'll certainly would. Shorty's been on the right side of the fence ever since he got out of the big house. And he's given me a hand on cases from time to time. Uh, I know. You owe him a favor, and I owe you a barrel of them. Well, that's about it. Well, okay. I'll shut my eyes for 24 hours. No longer, though, mind you. 
Thanks, Riley. Hey, Nick, where, where are you going? To find a murderer. <laughs> Boy, this is some buggy you got here, Nick. Four speeds ahead, a siren, two searchlights. Anytime you need a chauffeur regular, I'll hire on. Like driving my car, huh? It's like handling a baby carriage. Uh-oh, we're turning into 54th Street now, Nick. All right, Shorty. Slow down a little. Now, what was it you heard your passenger say? One says the quickest way to get there is through the park. I'll tell you where to turn off. And then the other guy says it's on West 54th Street and there's a flag out. And then the other guy shuts the partition and I don't hear no more. Now, 54th Street doesn't run very far here on this side. I don't see nothing on this block. Flags, flags. Usually in public buildings, aren't they? You think maybe this is going to be a clue, Nick? Shorty, everything's a clue when you don't have much to go on. Nick, look. Flagpole. Yeah, very handsome flagpole. Yeah, but it's a police station. A police station? Good. What's good about it? Let's get out of here. You're safe until tomorrow night, Riley. Riley keeps his word. You want I should uh, keep going slow? Nope. I got the first link in our chain. You can put the speed on again. Where to now? To pick up Patsy. I sent her to the Bureau of Missing Persons on 30th Street. Ah, oh, Nick, another cop house. I don't like them places. George Day, 2345 Elmhurst Drive, occupation truck driver. When last seen, was wearing gray coveralls. No, he's not the one. Gee, Nick, the guy ain't been missing long enough for anybody to get excited about it. He's only been dead a few hours. I'm playing a hunch, Shorty. Oh. You want me to read the rest of the names on the list, Nick? Wait a minute, Patsy. Hmm? Do you have a school teacher on the list? Yes. How did you know? Never mind. What did he look like? Well, uh, let me see. Um, there. Ivan Johnson, number two, St. Anne's Drive, occupation, professor of ancient history. Good. When last seen, was wearing dark blue overcoat, gray hat, white shirt, blue tie, and always wears... Wears pince nez glasses. Yes. So did our corpse. The glasses were missing at the time, but the bridge of his nose bore prints of them. Boy, I'm glad I'm going straight. Even the dead wake up and talk when Nick Carter gets on the case. Nick, how in the world did you know it would be a school teacher? Well, I didn't for sure. But nose glasses plus chalk under the nail of the index finger... Plus a sensitive face and the general appearance added up to teacher for me when I looked at the corpse. Next, I figured if he were a school teacher, he'd be expected home by five o'clock. His wife or family would be unduly worried if he hadn't showed up by eight or so and would call the missing persons bureau. But who'd want to murder a poor school teacher? One step at a time, Bessie. And we know this much already. Our Mr. Johnson intended going to the 54th Street police station when he and his murderer hailed Shorty's cab. Oh, I see, Nick. Then you think that Professor Johnson was killed because of something he intended to tell the authorities. Mm -hmm. Simple the way he tells it, ain't it? One, two, three. Yes, you're very clever, Mr. Carter. But don't you think maybe his wife could tell us what it was he was going to tell the cops? Perhaps he told her first. Yes, Patsy, that's just what I do think. Uh, what was his address? Mm, just a minute. Oh, yes, here it is. Number two, St. Anne's Drive. Right. Okay, Shorty. Take us to number two, St. Anne's Drive. And hurry. Mrs. Johnson, I'm Nick Carter. 
And this is my assistant, Patsy Bowen. How do you do? How do you do, Mrs. Jones? Did the police send you, Mr. Carter? Did they find him? Did they find my husband? I'm only here to ask you a few questions concerning your husband. Oh, then they haven't found him. I, uh, I really can't say. Now, tell me. Did your husband mention whom he was going to see after school hours today? Ivan always comes right home after his classes. I thought that he might have had some special appointment today. Oh, no, no. Mrs. Johnson, how was your husband feeling when he left for school this morning? Oh, he, he was in such a mood this morning. Talked about right and justice until my, my head fairly whirled. You know, he doesn't like to see people cheated, Mr. Carter. Ivan's a very honest person. What do you mean, cheated, Mrs. Johnson? He said he wasn't going to stand by and see the students in his school tricked out of their dimes and quarters. He was going to see right and justice done. The kids are being cheated. Uh, what school is this? Central High School. Ivan is the ancient history professor. He's taught there for 12 years. And where's his office there? Why, he's at the same office all that time. Number 12 on the first floor. I've always been happy about that. It's such a sunny little room. Well, Mrs. Johnson, you've been very helpful. Do you think they'll find him tonight? Do you think something terrible has happened? Why, the police will keep you informed. Good night. Good night, Mrs. Johnson. Try to get some sleep. Oh, thank you, but I, I, I couldn't. Not till Ivan's home. Say... Nick, I thought you were going to the school where Professor Johnson taught. That's not over here in the West Side Business District. Glad to see you on your toes, Patsy, and working in all four cylinders. Nose to the grindstone, shoulder to the wheel, and all that. I'm proud of you. All right, all right. But what are we doing over here? In just a moment, you'll see for yourself. This is the place, Nick. Right, sweetie. All right, come on, Patsy. Want me to go with you, Nick? No, you stay here and keep your eyes open. Okay, and good luck. Come on, Patsy. We still got a lot to do if we want to keep Shorty out of Lieutenant Riley's foul clutches. I'm glad they didn't lock the front door in this office building tonight. Hey, that's funny. There's no night watchman here. He usually is. Well, Patsy, never look a gift horse in the teeth. No watchman, no trouble. Hey, it's spooky in here. There's one little light in this whole foyer. Wish we brought Shorty in with us. He'll do us more good, keeping watch outside. You really think this is where Ivan Johnson was this afternoon? We know Shorty picked him up in front of this building. And this is the only office building in this block. All the rest are warehouses. It's pretty deserted, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. And the elevators, of course, have stopped for the night. And this is a ten-story building. Well, Nick, maybe if we look at the directory board, we'll be able to figure out what office Professor Johnson might have visited. That's what I'm hoping. Now, let's see. Ah, there doesn't seem to be a name on this directory that helps us out at all. There isn't, is there? Oh, Nick, what'll we do? Doesn't take much brain work to figure that one. Maybe we can tell if we have a look at the doors of the offices in this building. So, we just have to go from office to office. Now, come on, let's start climbing. <laughs> There's nobody on this floor. All doctors and dentist offices. Don't think Johnson's business was with any of them today. Come on, up we go. 
See anything on this floor, Nick? No. Nobody or nothing to interest a school teacher. Nick, I don't think I can make another floor. You've got to, Fancy. We must cover every floor. Well, this is the top. Yeah. And we don't know any more than we did before. Nick, this place is as empty as a number two ration book. We might as well... What is it? thought I heard something. Nick, there's someone in that office. Yeah. And yet the lights are out. The name on the door says Gerald Ramsey, promotion counselor. Let's pay him a visit. Stay behind me now, to the left of my flash. All right. <laughs> and who is flashing that pretty light in my office at this time of night? Mr. Ramsey. That's my name. And yours? Nick Carter. Surely you don't mean that you're Nick Carter, the great detective. That's who he is, Mr. Ramsey. Sorry to bother you, Mr. Ramsey, but my assistant and I were just having a look around this building. Oh, well, too bad the fuse is blown out of my office here. Or you could have a good look. <laughs> who are you after you don't happen to know of any business in this building that might have dealings with a school teacher, do you? A school teacher? Mm-hmm. Let me see. A school teacher? Why, no, uh, no, there is. I never heard of it. But then there's such a lot I never heard of. Uh-oh. Oh, you... You knocked over that whole stack of packages. Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Ramsey. I, I dropped my handkerchief and I was leaning over to pick it up. Anything breakable in them? Oh, no, 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 it's... Quite all right. Oh, thank goodness for that. Yes, uh, just some things a friend of mine left here until he came back. Just leave them there. I'll take care of them. No, at least let me pick them up. No, 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 no. Uh, never mind. Just leave them there. They, uh, they won't mind staying where they are for a while, I'm sure. Well, all right, if you say so. Yes, I do. So you can just run along and continue your search for whatever it was you were looking for. Good evening. Good evening. Now, Patsy, if you're okay, we better be on our way. Sorry we disturbed your uh, reverie, Mr. Ramsey. Reverie. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> really? He was an odd specimen. You think he knows anything, Nick? Well, if he does, he isn't talking. Come on. Oh, gosh, Nick, all that climbing up and downstairs just for nothing. I'm worn out. Maybe it wasn't all for nothing, Patsy. You mean you found a clue somewhere here? I don't mean anything. Yet. Oh, but Nick. I hope you could still walk well enough to get down the ten flights of stairs ahead of us, Patsy. I don't feel quite like carrying you just now. I guess I can make it under my own power. Where to now? Central High School. Time's a-wasting. And we still haven't uncovered a clue to the murder of the man in Shorty's cab. Nick, what do you expect to find in a schoolhouse at this time of night? Close to Johnson's murder, I hope. Well, it's no use, Nick. The janitor's not here. I'll have one more try. That racket should wake up the ghost of Hamlet. Hmm. No answer. So? So Nick Carter's trusty pick lock will do the trick. Mm-hmm. 
black as pitch in there. Stay right beside me. Seems to me I heard that one before tonight. And look, Nick. Hmm? I barked my shins in the dark in that, that character's office. And so if you don't mind, this time I'd like to see where I'm going. Okay, Betsy. I'll use my flash and keep it down low. Shin height. Well, that's better. Now, come on. Better hurry or our friend Shorty's going to be sitting in the clink with a murder rap pinned on him. Okay. And she said his office was on the first floor, didn't she? Mm, yes, number 12. All bright and sunny. Here we are, Nick, number 12. I wish it were bright and sunny in here now. This time we'll just dispense with the formalities of announcing ourselves. The door's open, Nick. Yes, so it is. Come on, snap on the light, Betsy. Switch is right behind you. Okay. Hey, looks like somebody else has given Mr. Johnson's room a going over. I'm afraid we got here too late. Papers all over the floor, window wide open. What do you suppose they were looking for? Same thing we are, Patsy. Clues. Except for a different reason. You think it was a murderer? Could be. Wow. What are you reading, Nick? There's a poster on the wall here. Oh. A dollar buys a destroyer, high school students. Subscribe just one dollar to the high school victory league and help buy a destroyer. That's the second time tonight I've seen something like that. A do- do- Oh, where's my hanky? Need any help? No, I've got one right here in my pocket. There. Hey, wait a minute. Where'd you get this? What? The sticker that came out of your pocket with a handkerchief. Oh, I don't know, Nick. Why? Why? It's got the same legend stamped on it that that poster has. Victory League. Well, so it has. Did you buy this sticker? No, I buy my destroyers by buying war bonds. Well, think, Patsy. Where did you get it? It was in your pocket with your handkerchief. Well, I don't know, Nick. I, I never put anything in this little pocket except my handkerchief. I can swear to this sticker when I'm back. See anybody? No. No. Nobody here now. You okay, Patsy? Well, I guess so. What happened? I just happened to look up in time to see a man poking a gun through the open window. So that's why you pushed me out of the way so fast. Yes, there was no time to be polite. Oh, thanks, Nick. Did you recognize the man at the window? No. Too bad. But he got away. Gee, Nick, you certainly shot that light out fast. Well, if he can't see us, he can't shoot us. A very logical deduction, Mr. Carter. Hey, Patsy. Hmm? Give me that sticker you picked up tonight. You think it means something to this case? You bet I do. I've just remembered where I've seen one like it. Hooray, Nick. Never mind now. Well, Patsy, this case is beginning to add up. I'm not mistaken. The sticker splits it wide open. Come on. I've got a job for you to do on your own, and right now. That means you've got a job that you're going to do on your own. Right. Now, this is the plan. And if it works, we'll nail our murderer red-handed. Boss, you in here? My dear fellow, you know I'm in here. Did you get the fuse fixed? Yeah. While I was fixing it, I got something else, too. Come on in, you. Hey, snap on the light and see what I picked up snooping around down the basement of this building. See? Nick Carter. Well, well, well. Mr. Carter, back again. Still looking for the same thing? No, I found what I was looking for. Oh, good. Good. It's very fine. I already lifted his rod, boss. What'll I do with him now? You've had your chance, my dear fellow. Now it's mine. 
You know, I have a general impression you men don't like me very well. Oh, sure, Mr. Carter. We love you. But we'll love you a lot better when you don't talk no more. We're very bluntly, Mr. Carter, but that is the idea. Now, Mr. Ramsey, just what do you think I could say that would harm you? Now, don't let him fool you, boss. When I was hiding in the bushes outside the window back there at the schoolhouse, I heard him tell the dame the case was wide open. Shut up, Lefty. Oh, so it was you who took those shots at us through the window. Yeah, and you ain't gonna do nothing about it. You was pretty smart, though, figuring out it was Mr. Ramsey what rubbed out the school teacher. You are a complete idiot. Stop that fool tongue of yours. Ah, what's a diff, boss? He ain't gonna live to tell it. Hmm. True. That's true, Yes, since you know so much already, we have only one recourse, Mr. Carter. Give me the gun, Lefty. Yeah, yeah, boss. This one's on me. Just a minute, Ramsey. As long as I'm not going to live to tell it, maybe you'll confirm a deduction I made. Certainly, my dear fellow. The condemned man is always granted one last request. Speak up. This high school victory league's a fauna, isn't it? You're playing on the patriotism of school kids to get them to donate their money to build destroyers and planes. But the money never gets any further than your own pocket. Isn't that it? Oh, yes, Mr. Carter. Since you put it bluntly that way, I am forced to admit that you're entirely correct. But may I ask what it was that led you to believe that I was behind the league? Yes. When I was at Professor Johnson's office, I saw a poster on the wall advertising your dirty league. Oh, please, Mr. Carter. I mean just that. Swindling high school students out of their few dollars in the name of a patriotism that you never knew the meaning of is about the lowest form of stealing that I know of. Boy, just let me take a poke no, in, will you? No, no, no. We can afford to be good-natured. Mr. Carter hasn't much time left, you know. You go on, Mr. Carter. As I said, I saw the poster on the wall advertising your dirty racket. And then Patsy found one of your stickers in her handkerchief where she'd picked it up off your floor. I recall then seeing that each of the packages she knocked over in here had a sample sticker pasted on it. It was easy enough then to put two and two together and get the required four. It's too bad that your undoubted excellence in mathematics can't save you. And all because one little school teacher suspected his kids were being cheated. Poor Professor Johnson. It is too bad for him that I found him wandering around this building, looking for the offices of the high school victory league. He told me he suspected it was a phony outfit, and he was going to see right and justice done. <laughs> I offered to take him right to the police station, and I did. <laughs> Although I wasn't with him when he got there. <laughs> Very funny. Yes. Hurry up, boss. We got way to do. Yes. Well, Mr. Carter, this is it. <laughs> Blast and banshees, Nick. Don't do this to me again. I tell you, my nerves won't stand it. Oh, what's the matter, Riley? You got your men. Lying on the ground here, howling like stuck pigs. Yeah, sure, but, but what if I hadn't hit him when he aimed at you, Nick? And what if I'd missed? So, Nick, your plan worked beautifully. The whole thing. Getting yourself found by Ramsey's henchman and my getting Riley up here to hear the confession and everything. Yeah, Patsy, but, but gee, don't run such a split-second chance of life and death again, Nick. My heart won't stand it. Well, that was worth it. Just to see Ramsey walk into the trap like a bear looking for honey. Hey, Nick. Oh, Shorty, come on in. Take a look at her handiwork. Gee, so that's the bum who tried to frame me to the hot seat. He'll be getting it himself before long, thanks to Nick Carter. Riley, I want to tell you something. Of all the criminals I've tracked down, catching Ramsey gave me the most pleasure. A fellow like that, trading on the patriotism of school kids, is about the lowest rat in the world. Why, bad as the Nazis are, a guy like this is worse. You're right, Nick. You said it, Nick. 
Well, Riley, you've got all the evidence you need. Mm -hmm. The package of posters in the next room, the package of stickers here, and the confession. Right, Nick. We can take over from here. Thanks. Okay, Riley. So long. So long, Nick. So long, Patsy. So long, Lieutenant. Oh, Patsy, come on. Chin up. Carry on and all that sort of thing. It's not my chin that's worrying me, Nick. It's having to walk down those ten flights of stairs again. That'll be the fourth trip tonight. Why, Patsy. And at your age, too. Look, Nick. Can't we just sit here on the top step for the next six hours? You think you'd be rested enough then to walk down the ten flights? I think that by then the elevators will be running again. And what a wonderful invention the elevator is. This has been another of the strange adventures of Nick Carter, Master Detective, which are brought to you regularly each week at this same time by WOR Mutual. Now, tell us a little about next week's story, Nick. Well, next week's story includes rather more adventure than actual detecting. But if Nick hadn't been able to make the first few deductions that really started him off on the right track, there would have been no adventure. And there was adventure and plenty of it. I came nearer to meeting my match when I met Dr. Donaldson than in any other time in my career. This Dr. Donaldson was a specialist in secret and dangerous poisons, and he tried one of them out on Nick. But in the end, I managed to get the better of him and solve a mystery that had the police completely stopped. We call it the empty coffin because it was an empty coffin that gave us the first clue. And it was two different doctors making out two separate death certificates for the same death that led to that first clue. Well, that's enough for now. Join us next week for the story of the empty coffin. So long. So long, folks. And so long to you, Nick and Patsy. Until next week. In the strange adventure you have just heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by Lon Clark, Patsy by Helen Choate. The story was written for Nick Carter by Barth Conry. Original music was played by Lou White. The entire production was under the direction of Jock McGregor. Next week, at this same time, listen to another curious experience of Nick Carter entitled... The Empty Coffin. Or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Doctor's Poison. This story is a copyrighted feature of Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. The return of Nick Carter is produced in the studios of WOR and is broadcast over most of these stations every Saturday evening at 7 o'clock Eastern Wartime. And don't forget that the adventures of Nick's adopted son, Chick Carter, are broadcast over most of these stations Mondays through Fridays at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Wartime. This is Mutual. Stay tuned for Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to go back to 1945 for The Great Gildersleeve. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. Cheese Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products, present Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve. 
Kraft brings you The Great Gildersleeve every week at this time, written by John Wheaton and Sam Moore, with music by Claude Sweeten. Now, let's see how things are going with the great Gildersleeve. Well, it's a matter of public record. In the want-ad section of the Summerfield Indicator on May 26th appeared this item. Wanted secretary. Must be experienced and neat appearing. Able to take dictation, do typing, filing, bookkeeping. Bring references. Supply water department between 9 and 10 a.m. From the Summerfield Indicator of May 30th. Wanted secretary at water department. No experience necessary. From the Summerfield Indicator of May 31st. Girl wanted at water department, $25 a week in car fare. From the Summerfield Indicator of June 1st. Girls make big money this easy way. Personal assistant to important executive in essential industry. Big future, generous salary, Saturdays off, two hours for lunch, vacation with pay. Apply now and get in on the water department picnic, June 16th. (laughs) Prizes for all, don't miss it. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, Summerfield 2371, phone day or night. before dinner. I'm going to have to go back to the office and work tonight. Dinner's in the oven right now, Mr. Gillespie. Won't be for a few minutes. I'm just finishing setting the table here. Yeah, I'm going to have to work late tonight. Till all hours, I'm afraid. Where the dickens You'll is... You'll find the evening paper right beside your chair, then. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I'll probably work till one or two o'clock in the morning. Maybe three. You'll be wanting coffee with your dinner, then. Buckets of it. I thought you were going to get Miss Marjorie to help you down at the office, Mr. Gillsleeve. Well, that didn't work out. Where is Marjorie? She's upstairs doing her homework. Homework? Oh, where's Leroy? He's doing his homework, too. Both of them doing their homework? Yes, sir, that's right. Hmm, must have gotten their report cards today. <laughs> I guess you should come and sit down now, Mr. Gillsleeve. Things are just about ready. Good, Bertie, thank you. Marjorie, Leroy! What do you want? Dinner! Who the... I'll go, Bertie. Oh, it's that Bullard kid. Can Leroy play? I'm afraid not, Craig. It's Leroy's dinner time. Must be your dinner time, too. I've had my dinner. Oh. (laughs) Well, Leroy hasn't had his yet, so... I want Leroy to play with me. Well, Leroy would be very glad to play with you, I'm sure. (laughs) But it just so happens that we're just sitting down to dinner, so perhaps some other time. I want him to play with me. Look here, you're letting in the flies. Either come in or stay out. I'll come in. All right, but I warn you, we're setting down to dinner. Hi, I'm just what I did in school today. I. Oh, it's you. Hi, Leroy. Little friend of yours, Leroy. Can you play? No, I'm busy. <laughs> Leroy, come here a minute, my boy. See if you can find a way to get him to go home, will you? Go home! <laughs> Leroy, not that way. Now, Craig, 
Your mother's looking for you, I'm afraid. No, she's not. My mother's not home. Oh. <laughs> well, your father is then. Your father's looking for you. No, he's not. He's looking for my mother. <laughs> what was that? Mr. Gillespie, get it on the table. Oh, right away, Bertie. Marjorie! Now, Craig, I don't know what you're going to do, but we're going to eat. Well, my dear. Hello, Unky. Have a good day. Horrible, horrible. Have to go back tonight. Oh, hello, Craigie. Hi. Somebody at the door. They've crumb come for Craig, maybe. <laughs> oh, hi, Mike. I suppose you're looking for Gorgeous. She's inside. Well, I'm really looking for my kid brother. Is he here? I'll say. Hello, Marshall. Oh, hello, Marjorie. Gosh. Yeah, good evening, my boy. Oh, good evening, sir. Gee, Marge, I haven't seen you in two or three days, it seems like. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know, I've been busy. I saw you after Jim yesterday, but you didn't see me. Yes, yes. <laughs> Excuse me, something's getting cold. Yeah, right away, Bertie. Uh, so you've come for your little brother, eh, Marshal? Well, Craig? Oh, yes. Uh, get your things, punk. We're going home. Say, Marge, what are you going to be doing after? Oh, I don't know. Nothing particular. What are you going to be doing? Nothing particular. Yes, yes. <laughs> Come on, Marshal. Let's go home. Wait a minute. We could do our history together, Marge. Well, I've done my history, but I guess I could go over it again. Marshal, come on. I want to go home. Keep your shirt on. I'll tell you what we could do. Excuse me, shall I put it back in the oven? <laughs> Spare ribs, you leave it right where it is, Bertie. I'm going to eat if I have to eat alone. You'll pardon me, Marshal, if I partake of my supper, which has now been cooling on the table for some 15 or 20 minutes. What's that? Oh, yeah. Go right ahead. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bertie, so help me, those are the finest spare ribs I ever set tooth to. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed them. They're kind of hard to get these days. You know, Bertie, what you ought to do? You ought to open up a little place, a little restaurant, where you could serve nothing but spare ribs, spare ribs and coffee. You'd make a fortune. Oh, go on. I mean it. Wouldn't she, Leroy? Uh-huh. Here, you better let me bring your finger bowl, Mr. Gillespie. Uh, you better bring Leroy a tub. <laughs> I hate spare ribs. It's so hard to get any meat. Well, if you weren't afraid to pick them up on your fingers. But they're so greasy. It's the only way to eat them, my dear. Miss Priss, look at me. I'm not afraid. You don't have to rub it in your hair. <laughs> now, children, there's something I want to speak to you about, both of you. Starbell. And that's it. No more of your friends calling at mealtime. Do you understand? No more. Leroy, sit still. There's somebody at the door. Bertie is quite capable of answering it. Bertie? I'm coming. If that's a friend of Leroy's, Bertie, just tell him to go away. Yes, sir. I'll not have our meals made a shambles by these constant interruptions. Your friends haven't manners enough not to call at dinner time, yes, Bertie? It's for you, Miss Gillespie, Miss Ransom. Ah! <laughs> Leroy. Uh, will you excuse me, my dear? Well, just this once. I showed into the parlor, Mr. Gilsey. Oh, thank you, Bertie. Well, Leela. <laughs> I'm afraid I'll come at a very bad Tom's Rock, Martin. No, not at all. <laughs> I was just finishing dinner. 
Have to hurry down to the office. This evening? Yeah, 2,000 bills to get out, no secretary. Oh, dear. I was hoping we could have a nice long talk. Well, I'll tell you about it quickly then. I have the most wonderful idea. Oh, what's that? I'm thinking of going into the antique business. Antiques? Yes. You see, I've got that big old high boy over there that belonged to my grandmother Beecham. It's no use to me in the world, and it's just in the way, and I thought, well, now, why don't I just sell it? But, Leela, you'd need more than one high boy, one sale, and you'd be out of business. <laughs> well, it wouldn't just be antiques. I could do interior decorating, too. People have always told me I had a natural color sense and a, a knack for making things homelike, if I do say so myself. Oh, you have, definitely. <laughs> but starting a business. Oh, uh, this wouldn't be like a business, exactly. But I do think women should do something these days, don't you? After all, with the war on. So I thought if I could open this antique shop and at the same time be helping the war effort... Help the war effort? I don't get the connection. Well, gracious, if you're going to do nothing but discourage me... Leela, I'm not trying to discourage you. If you want to do something, that's great. But say, why don't you come to work for me? Work for you? What kind of work, Throckmorton? At the water department. You'd be my personal secretary. Secretary to the water commissioner. How would you like that? Will you do it, Leela? Well, I don't know, Throckmorton. I kind of had my heart set on an antique shop. After all, there's my grandmother Beecham's high boy there. Just for a week. Try it for a week, and if you don't like it, we'll call it quits. Well... All you have to do is address the bills. Address bills? And be my private secretary. Well... All right, Throckmorton, I'll do it. Maybe this is a good way to start. Sure. But you'll have to pay me, understand? I'm terribly expensive. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure we can come to terms, Leela. See you at the office, then, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock? 9.15, then. 9.30? Well, if I can make it. Great, 9.30. Uh, there's just one trouble about all this, Throckmorton. What's that? Doesn't solve a thing about my grandmother Beecham's high boy. <laughs> oh, but I'm keeping you from your dinner. We'll worry about that later. I'll be running along now. See you at 10. Huh? Oh, oh yeah, see you at 10, yeah. <laughs> goodbye, goodbye. Gee, I gotta get going. I'll have my dessert now, Bertie. Oh, quarter to eight, this very minute. Pass the cream, will you, Marjorie? Leroy, pass... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Well? What am I hurrying for? I just hired a secretary. Hee-hee! Let's get back to the great Gildersleeve, who, having engaged a secretary, feels like a real executive for the first time in a week. At least he did feel like an executive. Now, however, it's 11 o'clock in the morning, and Leela has not yet arrived at the office. Water department, good morning. You want your water disconnected? You bet. What's your name, please? Delahanty? D-E-L... <laughs> Pardon me, there's a call on our other line. Water department, good morning. Want your water turned on? Certainly. What if you'd mind holding a line for just a minute? Thank you. Now, hello, Mrs. Delahanty. Oh, Mr. Delahanty. <laughs> Pardon me. Sorry to keep you waiting, but I... 
Leela, where have you been? Good morning, Throckmorton. I brought you some flowers. Yes. Just a minute, Mr. Dillahanty. Leela, take this call while I handle the other one. But I don't know what it's about. Just take it, will you please? Now, you want your water turned down, you say? Hello? Was that name McCutcheon? Well, what is it you want, please? McCutcheon. Yeah, and the address, please. Well, you didn't tell me what you wanted. Uh, 279 Lakeside. Yes, sir. Well, I'm sure there's someone here who can help you, madam. He's a man, Leela. Uh, you bet, Mr. McCutcheon. We'll have somebody over there this afternoon. Yes, sir. Uh, just a minute. I think Mr. Gildersleeve may be able to help you if you... Oh, you have no right to speak to me in that tone of voice. Leela? Well, you may be a customer, but you're no gentleman. Leela, give me the phone. Give me the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mr. Delahanty. <laughs> yes, sir, you bet. <laughs> well, new girl, you know. Just started this morning, you know how that is. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, 316 Valley Road. Yeah, take care of it this afternoon. Sure, Mr. Delahanty, you bet. I don't think I'm going to like it here, Throckmorton. Why not? Well, if you're going to be rude to me... Me? Now, how have I been rude? You haven't even said good morning. Never thanked me for the flowers. I haven't had a chance, Leela. I've been on the phone ever since you came in. I think the flowers are lovely. There's 2,000 bills over there that should have gone out last week. Frogmore, you haven't said a word about my dress. Dress? It's new. I bought it specially for the office. Cute. <laughs> do, you, do you really like it? I should say I do. Now, about the bills, I Leela. thought I should get something not too dressy so that people who came in would know I was tending strictly to business. Uh, but at the same time... <laughs> At the same time, I wanted something feminine so you could feel proud of me when you take me to lunch. Lunch? Well, it's a little early, but if you're hungry, let's go. Uh, <laughs> I'm free tomorrow on Thursday, Frogmorton, but Friday I already have a day. But, Leela, oh, I... Hello, PB. Well, well, Mr. Gillespie, quite a stranger. <laughs> what can I do for you this fine day? Just a sandwich and a glass of milk, please. Yes, sir. Seeing it's Friday, how about a nice tuna sandwich? What else have you got? That's all. All right, tuna. <laughs> and a glass of milk. You uh, haven't been ill, have you, Mr. Gillespie? Ill? No. Here's your sandwich. And your milk. I guess it's just that you haven't been in for several days. Well, I've been lunching at the Summerfield Grill. Noisy place. <laughs> yes, it is a little noisy. That businessman's blue plate they put up is a fairly nutritious meal. Runs into money, though, at 40 cents a day. Well, I've been going a la carte, Peavy. You don't say. Yeah, a la carte for two. Uh, lady, I take it. Well, my secretary. Yes, she's a lady. That's what I say. But this is purely a business arrangement, Peavy. Oh, naturally. Well, it is. It just happens that... Well, I've engaged Mrs. Ransom as my secretary for the time being. Oh. I didn't realize Mrs. Ransom had, had secretarial training. She hasn't. No shorthand? No. Probably operates a typewriter, though. No, she doesn't operate a typewriter. Understand bookkeeping? No! But nevertheless, and notwithstanding, it's purely a business arrangement. That's what I'm saying. 
Uh, aren't you going to finish your sandwich, Mr. Gildersleeve? No, I'm going to the Summerfield Grill for the businessman's blue plate. The only place in town where a man can eat in peace and quiet. Well, now, I... Don't say it! Ye gods, TV! Fat <laughs> man shouldn't get excited like that. <laughs> oh, well, it's his blood pressure. Where is she? Leela! I'm in here, Mr. Rothbard, in your private office. In my... Oh. Here I am, curled up in your big chair. Well. Anybody call me? No, but an awful man came in. He claimed he was your engineer out at the reservoir, but I just know you wouldn't have a man like that working for you. Did he say his name was Uncle Charlie? He didn't say. He was just a nasty old man with nasty old gray whiskers, and he used a... <laughs> He used a type of language to which I'm hardly accustomed. Yeah, that's Uncle Charlie, all right. He frightened me, Srock Martin. I gave him a quad and told him to go on about his business. Oh! <laughs> Uncle Charlie wouldn't like that, Leela. Well, I guess he'll be back. Anything else? Uh, some tool salesman called. I told him you weren't interested. Tool salesman? Uh-huh. Wasn't a fellow from the Tri-State Tool and Valve, was it? Uh, that sounds like the name. Oh, my goodness, Leela. I've been after that man for a month. We need a new snifter valve out at the reservoir. What kind of valve? Sniff, never mind, Leela. <laughs> oh, well, back to the old grind. Oh, you work awfully hard, Throckmorton. I had no idea you worked so hard. Yeah, that's a man's life, Leela. Shoulder to the wheel, nose to the grindstone. Mm, I suppose so. You know something? I was a little nervous when I first came down here to work for you. Nervous? What about? Well, you see, I happen to know what goes on between the average businessman and his secretary. <laughs> Where do people get these ideas? That's a lot of nonsense, Leela. That kind of thing only goes on in the movies. Where there's smoke, there's fire, Throckmorton. Well, there may be an occasional case. But if a man ever gets mixed up with a secretary, he'll never get any work done. Mm, absolutely. Anyhow, I decided I'd just let you know right off at the start that as far as I'm concerned, our relations will be strictly business. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess I'd better call the Tri-State Tool people. Oh, you really should relax for a few minutes after lunch, Rock Martin. You drive yourself too hard, you poor boy. <laughs> yeah, but I gotta get after that snifter valve, Leela Oh, I- I'll call the man for you I like doing things for you Well, I wish you'd finish up those bills After all, that's the main reason I got you in here Oh, but look at all the other ways I'm being useful I sharpened all your pencils this morning Did you notice? <laughs> Where are my pencils, Leela? I couldn't find them Oh, I'll put them right here in your desk drawer Huh? Oh, that's funny. I don't see them. I must have left them out there by the pencil shop now. Oh, great. Well, thanks, anyway. <laughs> I think I'm going to like being your secretary, Throckmorton. Well, that's good. I've always been afraid to work before because I was just sure some man would try to take advantage of a business relationship. Well, nothing to be afraid of. Probably isn't one businessman in Summerfield to do a thing like that. Well, I happen to know that's not true. You know that office building across the street from Dr. Peck, the dentist? Yeah. What about it? Well, the last time I went to Dr. Peck, there was some man kissing his secretary in the office across the way. 
Hmm, wonder who has that office. I don't know, but I got so interested, I forgot to ask for Novocaine. <laughs> you know, you've given me an idea, Leila. Really? What? I think I'll take advantage of our business relationship. Drop <laughs> yeah. Martin, don't you dare. Oh, just one little kiss. What harm can be done? <laughs> don't you come near me, you hear? Come on now, Leela. Come here, you little bitch. Now I've got you. Now give me a kiss first. Uh, it. Charlie, what's the idea walking in here without knocking? Knocking? I heard the dad busted rummage going on in here, and I thought maybe somebody was robbing the place. Oh, how humiliating. Yeah, don't worry, Leela. Charlie won't say anything about this. Rockmon, you're disgusting. What's that, sister? I'm not your sister. <laughs> if you'll excuse me, Mr. Gildersleeve, I shall continue with my regular duties. <laughs> Confound it, Charlie. You ought to have more brains than to come busting in here like that. I thought you'd reach the age of sense, Commissioner. I have not. <laughs> Who the dickens is that woman, anyway? She happens to be my secretary, Charlie. Your secretary? Well, I thought the last one was bad, but this one takes the cake. <laughs> Did she tell you that I was in to see you a while ago? She said something about it, yes. She treated me as if I were some kind of a dad-busted bum. And that ain't all. Al Kingman just called me from the Tri-State Tour and Valve. Said she threw him out on his piazza, too. Well, that's not true. She just, uh, well, she just kind of postponed now. Hmm. Postponed him? <laughs> Commissioner, you can call her whatever your dad brain please. But a woman like that's got no place in the water department. Now, Charlie, it's very hard to get help these days. You're not fooling me a bit, Mr. Gildersleeve. If I hadn't happened to walk in, catch you red-handed, that'd be different. But, Charlie... <laughs> you just get rid of this overage blonde and hire a woman that can tend to business. <laughs> Shh, you're talking a little loud, Charlie. Yeah, you'd better get another girl. But I don't know where to find anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll ask you one more question. Do you know where to find another engineer? Well, I could probably... Charlie, uh, you wouldn't be... The heck I wouldn't. You think it over, Commissioner. It's either me or... It's her. <laughs> well, all right, Charlie, I'll I'll get rid of her. Yeah, the question is, how? How to do it. How to do it. I'm going home now, Mr. Gildersleeve. Huh? Don't forget to lock the office. Oh, um, wait a minute. Uh, Leela. What is it? I'm sorry I forgot myself this afternoon. I'd prefer not to discuss it, if you don't mind. Goodbye. You're not thinking of uh, quitting, are you? No. I've made a bargain, and I'll stick to it. Oh. Providing you can remember to be a gentleman. Hmm. <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> You know, you're developing into a darn good businesswoman, Leela. Mm, you think so? Oh, one of the best. I never would have thought that. 
Well, you know. Oh, you're just like all the rest. You think just because a woman is attractive, she can't possibly have any brains or executive ability. Well, I was wrong. In fact, I was so wrong, I think maybe I'm being a little selfish in keeping you just as a secretary. It seems awfully sudden for promotions, Rock Martin, but if you have confidence uh, in... Uh, no, it isn't exactly that, Leela, but I've been thinking about that antique business you mentioned the other day. I think you could make a go of that, Leela. Oh, I'm sure I could. So why don't you try it? Perhaps I will, someday. Oh, not so. Someday. Now, strike nine. Now, while the iron is hot. Open up a business. Make yourself some real money. Get a few more pieces of furniture into your house, Leela, and stuff you can sell, of course. Then have a grand opening. Send out engraved invitations. Hire a caterer and some music. That's it. But you've got to get organized now, Leela. Time is of the essence. I'll do it. Of course, there's one problem. What? That grand opening and all might cost quite a bit of money. Oh, 75 or 80 dollars will take care of the whole thing. Would it? Sure. Oh, Throckmorton, you're so smart. You just know everything. Yeah. Well, pretty near, anyway. <laughs> I'll bet you can even think of a way for me to raise that 75 dollars, can't you? <laughs> yeah, I'll bet I can, Leela. Oh, how do I get into these things? Excuse me, you busy? Uh, no, Bertie, just balancing my checkbook. 18, 25, 31... I was thinking about what you said the other day. Oh? I talked to my friend about it, and he knows where I can get a place. Place? Yes, sir. He thinks I could rent it for $25 a month. Twenty-five? What are you talking about, Bertie? About what you said the other day. Don't you remember? You said I should open up a place and sell spare ribs. Bertie, you want to keep working here, don't you? Oh, yes, sir. Then don't ever pay any attention to anything I say. <laughs> Good night, Bertie. Good night, everybody. <laughs> on this program was directed by Claude Sweet. This is Vern Smith speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products. Kraft invites you to listen in again next week for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nero Wolf, followed by Our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for the great music and sometimes very insightful Ziggy on Stardust, next on Zuma Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.